Welcome to Menlo Church Online. We're excited to have you tuning in and joining us today. We are a church where we believe that everybody's welcome, nobody is perfect, and anything really is possible. Enjoy today's message. It's good to be back with you guys. Happy New Year's to you. And I did, uh, I wore my Sunday best just for you. (laughs) Believe it or not, this is dressing up for me. So uh, thank you for pointing that out, Frank. I appreciate that. (laughs) Stories are a part of uh, what make us human. Uh, Books, movies, legends passed down through families. Many nights my kids will ask me to tell them a story And I love that because this is one of the best ways for them to learn truths about life. Um, But when it comes to faith, many of us, we want formulas. We want linear steps. We want straightforward answers to our questions. But often when Jesus was asked a question, he didn't respond with a straightforward answer. Often he would say, it's like this. And he would proceed to tell a story. And these stories are what we call the parables. And for the next few weeks, we're going to look at these subversive, divisive, confusing, uh, funny, uh, beautiful, illuminating, poetic stories. We're going to look at the parables together. And this morning, we're going to start by looking at a parable called the Great Banquet or the Great Supper. I can only assume I've been asked to preach on the Great Banquet because of how much I love food. Uh, I love food. Recently, a friend of mine uh, was going on vacation, and I asked him, I said, have you chosen any fun or unique places to eat yet? And he responded by saying, no, you know, I'm going to be honest, I'm not really into food, which I took as a personal attack. I was personally offended. I said, well, maybe food's not into you either. Uh, When I go on vacation, uh, the meals are one of my favorite parts. Uh, So this morning, all across our room, I want you to actively participate with me. Uh, I want you to think about your favorite meal of all time. Uh, That might be really hard. I know most of you are really young in here, but for someone as old as Frank, he's gone through a lot of meals in his life that he's got to think through. Uh, so maybe uh, think of your, you know, some of your favorite meals you've ever had. Uh, this week, I've been thinking about some of my favorite meals, uh, but I want to highlight one of them. Uh, years ago, I was camping out with my two best friends uh, in the middle of nowhere, uh, otherwise known as Missouri. And our hope, our hope was by the end of this trip, uh, we would have a huge feast of all the fish we had caught. Uh, but the problem was, uh, once we got to the last day of our trip, we, we hadn't caught any fish. Uh, so we were hungry and we were desperate. And so we started driving around dirt roads in Missouri, hoping to stumble upon a new lake or a new pond. And then there it was, a big, pristine pond. And we got closer to it, and we realized it was nestled up to a house, and it had a big sign that said, Private Pond, No Fishing. 
so my friend Mark and I, we were, felt defeated and, and bummed. We were ready to give up on the feast and to settle for something else, to settle uh, for maybe gas station food or some cans of beans we had left. Uh, my friend Travis, though, he has this spiritual gift of not caring about what other people think. And so Travis <laughs> decides to go up to the front door and ask these strangers if we can fish their pond. Now, we hadn't showered in days. We were gross, disheveled. There's no way this was going to work. Uh, but moments later, Travis and this man uh, waved to us to come on. Uh, this stranger was inviting us to come fish his pond. Let me tell you, it was fishing heaven. As soon as we would make a cast, we'd catch a fish, fish after fish. And not only this, this man we had just met offered to clean our fish for us and to pack them up so we would be ready. And so that night, we got back to our campsite, and we had a feast. Uh, more fresh fried fish than we could even eat. And maybe a side note, uh, maybe you're like my wife and you don't like to eat fish. Uh, well, allow me to pastor you in this moment. Uh, when we look in the scriptures and we dig deep, I think it's pretty obvious that Jesus' favorite food was fish. So maybe that's something you need to repent about. Uh, I, I've been trying to tell my wife that for years. And, uh, it hasn't exactly worked. Uh, that night, uh, we ate like kings. We shared uh, laughter and reminisced and savored this beautiful uh, meal, this beautiful moment. But here's the deal. We almost missed the feast. We almost missed this glorious night of laughter and joy. And we almost settled for gas station food and cans of beans. In our parable today, we hear a warning. Many of us are in danger of settling. We settle for an average life instead of a full life. We're receiving a feast that's more satisfying and more joyful than our favorite meal. Our divine creator is offering us a feast, but we don't understand how good the invite actually is. So we either ignore it or we reject it. So question for you as we start, would you say that your life is full? Would you say your life is satisfying? Have you ever wondered if your life uh, could be more complete? This is why it's so important for us to pay close attention to this parable today, because we are being invited to a full life, a life where every deep desire is provided for, a life of delight and wonder and joy, you are being invited into the kingdom of God. So whether you're a teenager or senior adult, whether you're a young professional or a parent, whether you're a Christian or whether you would say today that you don't believe in God or Jesus, this parable has the potential to illuminate great truths for our lives. There is a feast. You are invited but the response is up to you. So let's jump into our parable together, and we're going to be looking at Luke 14, verse 16. And Jesus is talking, and uh, he said to him, A man once gave a great, great banquet and invited many. At the time for the banquet, he sent his servant to say to those who had been invited, Come, 
for everything is now ready. Uh, one quick thing to point out, in the ancient world, uh, being invited to a feast or a banquet was a huge privilege, a huge honor. Uh, today, we have these magical devices where we can push a button and, and have food delivered to our house instantly. Or we can drive a couple miles to Trader Joe's or Whole Foods and get meat and produce. Uh, in the ancient world, they would have been amazed by this. Food was not a convenience. Uh, they didn't have food in abundance. So to be invited to a banquet or a feast, this was a great honor. What a privilege. Let's continue. Verse 18. But they all alike began to make excuses. The first said to him, I've bought a field and I must go out and see it. Please have me excused. Another said, I've bought five yoke of oxen. Can I go to examine them? Please have me excused. And another said, I've married a wife, therefore I cannot go. So the servant came and reported these things to his master. So we see three straight examples of people who have been invited to this grand feast, such a privilege, but they turned down the invitation for excuses. And it's interesting, in Jesus' story, these excuses, they weren't absurd, uh, they were not immoral. These people were just busy with their normal, everyday circumstances, like you, like me. They're busy with their circumstances. What is one of the most common phrases you hear when you ask someone how they're doing? I'm busy. I'm good, but life is busy. It's crazy. It's, it's hectic. Uh, so you, you and I, we live in a world of uh, volunteer commitments, PTA meetings, birthday parties, homework, soccer practice, business dinners, errands, hobbies. And not only these things, but we have our uh, different internet, social media accounts, news feeds, uh, Amazon purchases. We have our shows, our precious shows. Uh, it's fair to say that we have more options than ever. Like the examples in the parables, a lot of these things are not bad at all. They're fine. But what we learn in the parable is these people weren't even interested in the feast, in the invite, because they had better things, more important things to take care of. These options mattered more. So today we see it's not about the excuses. Jesus is teaching us about values, priorities, our desires, our longings. Jesus is talking to us about what matters most. Uh, for about six months now, I've been reading a book called Essentialism uh, by Greg McCown. I've, it's taken me six months. I'm reading it so slowly because it's been so impactful in my life. And the author McCown talks about the way most of us approach our values or priorities in life. Uh, most of us do this that we can see in this next drawing. Uh, our approach would be what he would call an undisciplined pursuit of more. As you can see in the drawing, we fill our schedules and our time with things that are not bad, uh, but we give everything the same priority. We say yes to everything. We don't prioritize anything. So our energy uh, pulls us in different directions. It's spread out all over. Uh, we're not intentional. We don't live purposeful lives because we try to do it all. The alternative would look like this next drawing, uh, what he would call the disciplined pursuit 
of less. This approach takes into account uh, what I value the most, what I care about the most, what do I treasure, what do I want my life to be about. I'm going to pursue this. I'm going to expend my energy for this great thing and be disciplined about saying no to good things to pursue the best thing. This is countercultural, striving for less instead of more. And Jesus actually talked about this very principle when he said, seek first his kingdom, his righteousness. All these other things will be added as well. He's talking about values and priorities. Value his kingdom more than anything, and the other things will take care of themselves. And maybe it's just me. I, t- I tend to do this backwards. I seek first all the other things in life, and I hope that the kingdom, that my relationship with God will fall into place. So here's the first takeaway from our parable. Those who are full of other priorities will miss the feast. Those of full schedules, those who seek things equally will miss the feast because they don't need the feast. They're already full of other things. So what do you value the most? If someone were to look at your schedule or your calendar, uh, what would your priorities look like? Would they even be able to tell or would it just look like thing after thing after thing? Uh, What do you say yes to? What do you say no to? What do you invest in? Because those who are full of other priorities will miss the feast. So let's go back to the parable. uh, Verse 21. So the servant came and reported these things to his master. Then the master of the house became angry and said to his servant, Go out quickly to the streets and lanes of the city and bring in the poor and crippled and blind and lame. The people who received the initial invites were the qualified, the dignified. Uh, They were the winners. They had it all together. Uh, They didn't need a feast because they weren't hungry or desperate. Uh, These people uh, were wealthy, educated, Self-sufficient, independent, capable, visionaries, self-assured, satisfied. Maybe like me, when you look at that list, you think, wait a second, I resemble that comment. (laughs) If you look at that list, it makes you a little uncomfortable. You're getting Jesus' point. So you and I, we, we have a problem. We live in America, specifically Silicon Valley, Not not all of us, but most of us seemingly have everything that we need. Uh, Education, jobs, titles, cars, money. Not only these things, but now we have technology and convenience. There is an app for anything that we need. I recently found out there is an app uh, where you can hire someone to come to your house and professionally potty train your kids. Uh, (laughs) I was just upset that none of you told me about this app four years ago. It would have saved me a lot of headache and maybe saved my carpet as well. We have all we need, which is troubling when it comes to the kingdom of God. Jesus says it like this. It's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of God. It's not that the wealthy cannot enter the kingdom. It's just hard. And here's why it's hard. Uh, We tend to hold on 
to our treasures and our possessions, our achievements. Uh, in my family, we really like tomatoes, okay? Uh, so much so, my three-year-old son, when he went to visit Santa Claus for Christmas, Santa asked him the question, what do you want for Christmas, young man? And out of all the options, the choices in the world, all the toys, my son said to Santa Claus, I want a big tomato. <laughs> and Santa Claus looked at us a little confused. And we're like, hey, he likes tomatoes, Santa. Just give him a tomato. <laughs> the key, of course, to holding a tomato is to hold it loosely. If you hold it too hard, if you grip it too hard, you've got problems. And this is the same key uh, to how we hold our possessions and our achievements. They're not inherently bad, but we need to hold them loosely to remember they're not ours. They're not the source of joy and fulfillment and peace. It's hard for people with no needs to enter the kingdom because they grip desperately. They become precious treasures. This is my career I work for. This is my money. This is my car. This is my status. This is all mine, and I can't let go. Sorry, Frank. We'll clean that up. <laughs> Last night, it went all over my pants. but uh, so. We end up gripping these things desperately. And of course, they collapse, and they break. Because these treasures weren't intended to be gripped or hoarded or loved. They're not where the feast is. They only leave you empty. There's no lasting fulfillment with them. So here's the second takeaway from our parable. Those who are full of self and status and stuff will miss the feast. They have everything they need. They're already full of their own kingdom. So, is there anything in your life that you're gripping to desperately, you're holding tightly to, you're not letting go, hoping it will bring you fulfillment? Let's finish up with the rest of our parable. Uh, go out quickly to the streets and lanes in the city, bring in the poor and the crippled and blind and lame. And the servant said, Sir, what you have commanded has been done, and still there's room. And the master said to the servant, Go out to the highways and the hedges. Compel people to come in my house that it may be filled. For I tell you, none of these men who were invited shall taste my banquet. So now we see the invite has been extended to the unqualified, the undignified, uh, the poor and the lame, the ones who don't belong. And maybe you're listening this morning. You, you would say, I, I feel like I don't belong. Years ago, my wife and I received this gift to stay at a five-star hotel in downtown Chicago. Now, I grew up going to little holiday inns all my life uh, where the fanciest amenity was free HBO, and sometimes they'd have uh, this thing on the beds where you could stick a quarter in and it'd sort of bounce your bed to sleep. I don't know if you guys remember those. Uh, so needless to say, uh, when I went to this five-star hotel, everything was new to me. We walked into the lobby of the hotel and uh, it was so nice. There was someone dressed up, and I can only describe him. Probably his name was Jeeves, the way he was dressed. And it was really nice. He offered to carry our bags for us. It was so thoughtful. And uh, we got in the elevator. We went up to our room, and everything was a delight for us. Uh, 
we went to the window. We were like, look at those views of Chicago. It's beautiful. And we looked at our pillow. There's a chocolate on our pillow. Who am I? Prince William? This is amazing. There's free soap and lotion. We should stick those in our bags for later. In our delight, uh, I realized Jeeves had not left the room yet. And so I, I went up to Jeeves and I said, okay, I think we're good now. What's a fancy way to say this? I dismiss thee. And he, he still did not leave. Uh, he just cleared his throat. And I, I didn't get the hint. And uh, so then after that, he stuck his hand out. And me being an astute observer of human behavior, I then realized he wanted a tip. And so I got out my wallet, and I only had a $100 bill, which Jeeves seemed to think was an acceptable amount to give him. <laughs> sorry, Jeeves, you're not getting $100 for carrying my bag. Uh, so I looked at him, and I said, sorry, uh, no tip. And he proceeded to give me the most disgraced look ever as he stormed out of the room. I was so embarrassing and humbling. We were out of our league. We did not belong. And these are the kind of people Jesus seems pleased to invite to his feast. The dependent, the needy, the handicapped, the broken, the damaged, filled with doubts, marked by baggage, afraid, hungry, alone. But at the banquet, at the feast, they're the only ones there. They're the only ones there. So if you feel like you don't belong or that you don't have it all together, you're hungry and needy, this is good news for you. So here's our third takeaway from the parable. It's only the empty who can experience the fullness of the feast. Those who are aware of their need would never turn down an invitation to a feast. When they get invited, they immediately say yes. A longtime pastor of our church, many of you will know him, uh, I knew him, Walt Gerber, used to say this phrase, this is a hospital for the sick, not a hotel for the saints. So are you aware of your deep need for God and his kingdom? Are you hungry and desperate for his feast? Or are you content on your own, self-sufficient, all needs covered? Because it's the needy and the hungry that accept his invite. So hopefully by now you've thought of your favorite meal or some of your favorite uh, meals. I've been thinking about what makes a meal special. I thought of a few different reasons. The first reason uh, is sort of non-negotiable. The food tastes good, or it leaves you content and satisfied. Uh, the second reason would be the company that you're surrounded with. When I thought of my favorite meals, it usually included my wife or my family or my best friends. Great company. The third thing would be some kind of experience or some kind of moment, maybe an adventure, a different locale. See, what makes your favorite meals so special is exactly what makes the kingdom of God so special. The kingdom of God, just like your favorite meal, is filling. It's satisfying. It tastes good. The Bible says, taste and see that the Lord is good. 
Jesus himself said, I have come that they have made life to the full. This is what the feast is. It's an invite to live a full life with God. Just like your favorite meals, the kingdom of God has great company. One way to think about the kingdom of God is the with God life. The invite to the feast is an invite to spend life moment to moment with God. This is what the feast is. God wants you to sit with him, to be with him every moment. Then the kingdom of God, like your favorite meal, uh, is out of the ordinary. It's an adventure. If we're open to it, God wants to lead us to new and bold experiences. This is what the feast is. Many of us have this notion that the feast and the kingdom of God will only take place after death. Of course, we look forward to that day. We hope in that eternal feast uh, once we die. But that's not the only thing that the kingdom is. Jesus talked about the kingdom as being among us, within us. Uh, Dallas Willard says it like this. In and through the person of Jesus himself, the government or kingdom of God from the heavens was now available to everyone. Heaven, we've seen, is right now, right here, around our bodies, hovering beside our heads. In him we live and move and have our being. Eternity is not something waiting to happen, something that will commence later. It is now here. Time runs its course within eternity. Here's the deal. The invite to the feast is all around us, each day, each hour, each moment. But we have to respond to this invite. We have to surrender our own kingdom, surrender our own agenda. We have to release our grip. And surrender has such negative connotations. I'm giving up my fun, my joy, what I want, because I have to. But what we see in the parable is we're not surrendering out of fear or obligation. We're surrendering uh, to experience the feast, the with God life. We are hungry for the fullness of joy and peace that God is offering. Surrendering is about trusting God for my every need. I was on a mission trip uh, years ago in Durban, South Africa. And the local church we were partnering with uh, bought a bakery in order to bake bread and hand out to a local community. And this community was called the Valley of a Thousand Hills. And it was a beautiful, breathtaking valley. Uh, But the locals call it the Valley of a Thousand Tears because it's one of the epicenters of the HIV-AIDS epidemic. Uh, Many of the villages and communities uh, have up to 40% of their population infected with the virus. And so as we went with the church and we passed out these loaves of bread, I witnessed a level of physical need I've never experienced before. Most of these people uh, couldn't work. They couldn't provide for themselves. Many couldn't leave their huts. Uh, They were so inflicted with this virus. Uh, But I'll never uh, forget how lovely and brave these people were. Uh, But they were also uh, full of humility. And they were aware of their need. I'll never forget as we would uh, hand these loaves of bread out, uh, these people would simply open up their hands 
and they would extend their arms and they would receive this gift. There's one community where as soon as we pulled up in the bus, there were kids from all over the village that ran to the bus. With huge smiles, they opened their hands, extended their arm, and received the gift. See, when you are hungry, when you're aware of your need, you don't act prideful or entitled. You simply open your hands and you receive. So are you, do you want a full life? Are you aware of your deep hunger? Are you tired of trying to fill yourself with things and stuff? Are you tired of trying to hold on, desperately gripping to your achievements, your status, your possessions, your own kingdom? All you have to do is open your hands and surrender to God. Maybe you're not a follower of Jesus. You're not a Christian. Uh, You can do this even for the first time. Maybe you want to surrender your entire life to him. But even for those of us who call ourselves Christians, this is not a one-time surrender that we make. It's a moment-by-moment moment surrender to God. He, Jesus is the eternal bread of life. He wants to invite us to his feast, a with-God life moment-by-moment. Moment. So imagine what would happen if starting tomorrow we opened our hands and we said to God, what are you inviting me to? When we're stuck in traffic, what if we opened our hands and said, God, what are you inviting me to? I'm open. Are you teaching me patience, how to eliminate hurry in my life? We're dealing with difficult people. Imagine if we opened our hands and said, what are you inviting me to right now? Maybe you're uh, teaching me to be a model of love and shalom. In the middle of life decisions, what if we opened our hands and said, I'm open your calling, to adventure, to risk. In the middle of heartbreak and fear and anxiety, imagine if we open our hands and we said, I'm hungry, I'm needy. God, would you fill me? There's a feast that you are invited, but how you respond is up to you. Let's pray together. Jesus, we thank you for this reminder this morning. So many times these stories, for many of us, uh, we've heard them so many times, we forget the meaning behind them. And we thank you for the reminder that you are inviting us to something that's so much more abundant and rich uh, than the things of this world. And would you teach us to be the kind of people that surrender to you, not our own will, not our own kingdom, not our own agenda, uh, but we would surrender to you. We would be aware of our need for you, and we would constantly say, I'm open. I want your kingdom. I want what you want, and that we receive this invite to the feast, to live a with God life. So we thank you for this time. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks so much for tuning in today. We hope that you feel inspired and challenged by today's message and that you can take it and apply it to your everyday life. If you want to keep following along with Menlo Church, feel free to join us on social media where you can find out what's happening. 
Thanks again for joining us, and we look forward to seeing you next week.